Good morning, everyone. A warm welcome for all of you joining our symposium today. It happens to be a National Testosterone Awareness Day. What a coincidence that we are having our symposium today. Uh, so again, very welcome. Uh, our body makes testosterone naturally every day, but that natural production goes down as we start aging. The modern lifestyle actually has accelerated further this age-related decline. Ironically, most of the people around the world uh, are not so cognizant of that. As a matter of fact, there are 20 million men today just in the United States are walking around with low testosterone and 90% of them really don't know that they have low T levels because they have never been tested or checked the T levels. What has confounded me the most since we started our clinical trial of Kaiser tracks in 2010, that this awareness is so little all around the globe. Uh, what I call it low testosterone syndrome is so prevalent. The, and let me share a study with you. The study came out two years or so ago, T4DM study, testosterone for diabetes. And uh, it was a double blind placebo study. And, uh, you know, really clearly showed that uh, diabetes goes into remission when patients are on testosterone therapy. As a matter of fact, that HbA1c level dropped by a point or more after two years of therapy. Now, there are over 20 million men today in the United States that are diabetic, and over 50 million are pre-diabetic. And in the US alone, we are spending over $400 billion a year on diabetes treatment care. Now, imagine a situation where this 50 million plus men pre-diabetics turn diabetic, how much money the system is gonna be spending. Now, imagine a scenario where a lot of these men that, are, uh, that do have low testosterone get on an adequate testosterone therapy and the savings to the system. Before I turn the call to our speaker and moderator, Dr. Dave Morgan-Taylor, just wanna say a little bit about him. He pioneered the modern use of testosterone therapy in men. And also his landmark research revolutionized the understanding of the relationship of testosterone and prostate cancer. I have had the pleasure to have known him for a number of years. Hey. It amazes me. Uh, I've been doing this, uh, as you'll see, I've been doing the work with testosterone for more than 40 years, uh, which really dates me. Um, and uh, it's amazing to still be doing this. And part of what has motivated me over the years is just that there, to some extent, there has been this resistance to it. Um, let's go forward. So we have this paradox. And in essence, this is really why we're here today. Um, and here's the paradox. We have the highest level evidence that can exist that testosterone therapy has important beneficial effects for some of the most critical healthcare issues that affect um, men and to some extent women um, in this country and around, around the world. You're gonna hear talks today on obesity, on diabetes, uh, COVID, and there are other, a number of other important areas too that you won't hear anything about today just because we don't have time. For instance, osteoporosis, anemia, and even depression. Excellent data. Yet somehow within medicine, all these benefits around testosterone have gone almost completely unrecognized. Our next speaker is uh, Dr. Mokira. I'm sorry, Dr. Trace, Abdul Trace. Uh, Abdul is a dear friend of mine. We've written so many papers together. Uh, he is Professor Emeritus of Urology and Biochemistry at Boston University Medical School. Uh, he's Editor-in-Chief of the medical journal Androgens, Clinical Research and Therapeutics. And uh, Abdul has authored some of the most seminal works in testosterone research, in animal studies, and also in human clinical studies. Um, Abdul, you're well, on. Uh, thank you, Dr. Morgantara, for this uh, very generous introduction. And I would like to begin by thanking uh, Marius Pharmaceutical for inviting me to participate in this provocative discussion. 
as you can see from the title of my presentation, it is going to be very provocative discussion. Uh, I just want to highlight this, which is very important. Uh, this is published in uh, Mayo uh, Clinic Proceedings. This is the results from a discussion of an international expert panel. This is people who uh, spend their careers studying testosterone deficiency and testosterone therapy. And what this panel came with, nine resolutions, and the two that I thought are very critical is that testosterone deficiency has a detrimental impact on human health. I want to repeat, testosterone deficiency has a detrimental impact on human health, and it's well documented and well demonstrated. The other resolution that this panel came with is that symptoms and signs of testosterone deficiency occur as a result of low testosterone, and men may benefit from treatment regardless whether they're young, they're old, they have obesity, they have diabetes, irrespective of the etiology, men may benefit from this. These are really important resolution based on this panel discussion. I think this is another critical piece of data, which is uh, uh, present in the literature in many forms, which is low testosterone is associated with increased mortality. Testosterone therapy reduces mortality by half. And this is in uh, uh, systematic uh, uh, reviews and meta-analysis. This is in clinical studies. The data come together suggesting that testosterone therapy reduces mortality by almost half. We're going to move on. Our next speaker is uh, uh, Mohit Kira. Uh, he's professor of urology at uh, Baylor College of Medicine in uh, Houston. And um, Mo, you're up next. One of the studies that we published in 2013 was giving men testosterone who are at high risk of developing prostate cancer, meaning high Gleason scores, positive surgical margins, positive lymph nodes. In our study, we looked and we found that those men who received testosterone actually had a lower risk of recurrence of their prostate cancer than those men who did not receive testosterone. And that recurrence rate was quite low. It was only 15%. And many have asked, in any way, could this be protective against the recurrence of prostate cancer because your recurrence rates are too low? Well, after this study, there were several other studies also looking at testosterone and prostate cancer. This was by Stacey Loeb in 2017, where she looked at a national registry study of almost 1,400 patients, uh, controls and th almost 300 patients who had prostate cancer. And what they found was that there was no association between testosterone and prostate cancer, but patients who received testosterone had a low risk of aggressive prostate cancer, which was interesting. So in conclusion, there is currently no evidence that testosterone therapy promotes the initiation of prostate cancer in hypogonadal men. Testosterone therapy is now being used in clinical trials to treat men with metastatic prostate cancer. There may be a therapeutic and or protective role of testosterone therapy against prostate cancer. Paresh Dandona is um, a professor emeritus of endocrinology and metabolism at uh, the State University of New York in Buffalo. Uh, he's been an absolutely critical player in describing the relationship of testosterone deficiency and also testosterone, the effects of testosterone therapy in diabetic men. The area of diabetes and testosterone, in my opinion, is one of the most important um, um, broad strokes issue uh, in healthcare and certainly around uh, testosterone therapy. So it's uh, my delight to introduce Paresh Dendon. Now, when we give testosterone to these patients over a period of six months, this was the study that we did, you can see that the testosterone concentrations were steadily increased during this period, whereas the testosterone concentrations in the placebo group that was not treated were unchanged. Next slide. And then uh, the other interesting thing is that during this six-month period, the total lean body mass, i.e. the muscle mass, increased significantly, while the total fat mass diminished. And this is very important. And this is one of the things that one has to emphasize when we talk about overall quality of life and so on, that the muscle mass is dependent upon testosterone and increases under the influence of testosterone. Whereas 
adipose tissue, fatty tissue diminishes. And this issue will be discussed uh, later on uh, uh, by Farid Saad when he talks about the long-term effects of uh, testosterone. So then we go on to the 44DM study from Australia. And this was also mentioned in the passing by Dr. Trish, but I just want to mention here that these were patients either with pre-diabetes or with early type 2 diabetes. And when they were given testosterone therapy along with lifestyle program changes, they had some very interesting effects. Next slide. And you had a decrease in uh, 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 the outcome measures with prevalence of type 2 diabetes in these early type 2 diabetics coming down by more than 45, 41% in comparison with the placebo arm. So clearly it has an anti-diabetic effect. So let me then conclude by saying that the hypogonadal state is a part, almost an integral part of having type two diabetes and being obese. You need to measure testosterone in every one of those patients. And then testosterone administration reverses the extra insulin resistance that these patients have, and that can reflect in reversal of diabetes and pre-diabetes. So our next talk uh, is by um, Farid Saad. In addition, uh, as an investigator, uh, Farid uh, has been involved in uh, a number of very important studies, uh, especially in um, what he's going to be speaking about today, which we have relatively little information on the long-term effects of uh, testosterone therapy. And Farid has been part of a research team that has been looking at this, and it is uh, my pleasure to introduce uh, Farid Saad. We established with um, very good um, friends of mine in, um, who run a urology office in uh, the north of Germany, we established a so-called registry study. This is an observational study um, which just looks at patients as they come in. Patients are routinely screened for their testosterone levels. Those who have low testosterone uh, are offered testosterone therapy. Some patients accept it, some patients don't. So this is not a randomized controlled trial. This is a real-world evidence trial. And um, this is the baseline characteristics. Meanwhile, the study that was started in 2004, 2005 has almost 900 patients with low testosterone in the study. They're all treated um, by the same urologists in Germany. Um, this is a subgroup analysis, an analysis of those patients who had type two diabetes. And it's interesting to note that of the total population that are in the study, um, we have more than 41% who have diabetes, which underlines again the high prevalence of uh, low testosterone in men with diabetes. So this subgroup has 190 men with diabetes who receive testosterone, 180 who don't receive testosterone because they opted against testosterone treatment, and they served as a control group. Mean age was around 60, testosterone was low, BMI as a measure of obesity was high, so the majority of these patients were indeed quite obese, and the HB1C as the most important parameter, the most important clinical parameter in diabetes, which reflects the long-term blood sugar control, was high in these patients. It's important to note that all these patients receive standard treatment at the local diabetes center, which includes mandatory lifestyle modification courses, so they get educated about nutrition, about exercise, and this is something they have to attend. And uh, of course, the urologist does not treat diabetes. These men come to the urologist because they have erectile dysfunction, um, they have uh, urinary function problems, or they want to un undergo their regular prostate uh, checks. So when we look at the results from this, we are now able to analyze 13 years of follow-up in these patients. These are testosterone levels. You see the green line is the group receiving testosterone. Testosterone normalizes after uh, the first injection. We use injections. This is the threshold, the red one, which was already named uh, for, which is widely accepted in Europe, but also in other parts of the world, 12 nanos per liter. So in these patients, testosterone normalized. This is the control group. And in the control patients, testosterone further declined uh, with advancing age. 
Now, when we look at weight change, this is something that first came as a complete surprise to us because it has never been published from any randomized controlled trials, but we saw a progressive weight decrease in the testosterone-treated group over the years. At the end of this 13-year observation time, patients had lost, on average, 22% of their weight, whereas in the control group, shown in grain, there's a slight but steady increase of weight. So this takes time, and you can see here, after one year, the weight loss was just about 2.5%. This is certainly not a weight loss that anybody would get excited about, especially in these grossly obese patients with type 2 diabetes. This is HP1C, the measure of blood glucose, of, of blood sugar control, and you see here the steady improvement, the drop of HP1C in the patients receiving testosterone. Here's again another threshold drawn in. This is the fresh threshold for diabetes. Everybody who has a, a, a HP1C of 6.5% or more has definition, has by definition type 2 diabetes. And there was an increase of worsening of the condition in patients who did not receive testosterone. So in conclusion, Long-term testosterone therapy results in profound weight loss maintained over up to 13 years. Untreated hypogonadal patients gain weight. Long-term testosterone therapy results in marked improvement of type 2 diabetes. More than 50% of patients may achieve remission of diabetes, which can otherwise only be achieved by bariatric surgery. So massive weight loss following, for instance, gastric bypass surgery. Untreated hypogonadal patients' diabetes progressively deteriorates. Long-term testosterone therapy results in reduced mortality, myocardial infarctions, and strokes. These findings were initially unexpected and may only be achievable with long-term, lifelong testosterone therapy. Thank you very much for your kind attention. Our next speaker is uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Barua. Dr. Barua is um, Chief of Interventional Cardiology at the Kansas City VA Medical Center, Director of Cardiovascular Research at that same institution, and Professor of Medicine in the Division of Cardiology at the University of Kansas School of Medicine. Very much looking forward to this, uh, Dr. Barua. So we looked at our VA database, all comers, this 200 plus VA medical center in this continental US. Um, we looked at all of the patients who were getting testosterone therapies and who had first got testosterone measurement, who at least had two measurements of testosterone. Then they got, we divided it into three groups. One, they did not receive any testosterone, although they were lower after two measurements. One, they got treatment but did not go to the normal level. And another group was level two level drawn, decreased testosterone, and they were adequately treated. I think this is our study was a more comprehensive look at the normalization of testosterone. This group of populations uh, did not have any previous MI stroke um, in this population because we wanted to see patient with general risk, not a high cardiac risk. So, on that population, we found, to my surprise, actually, when I went with the bias, um, although I had these doubts that, that you know, um, that testosterone therapy may be, you know, more harmful than good. What my, to my surprise, we found, we actually really propensity matched them. We, uh, it's a rigorous statistical exercise we have done to make sure we got this right. We found, to my surprise, um, that patients without previous MI and stroke if you normalize testosterone, it decreased MI, stroke, and all-cause mortality. And it is also highlighted that if you didn't normalize, you still had a higher event. So normalization of testosterone, what you're hearing, this is really highlighted by our group um, that um, if you treat them, treat them effectively, you will have an all-cause mortality decrease, you will have MI decrease, as well as um, uh, stroke decrease. This is um, 83,000 patients over 15 years of follow-up, mean follow-up, median follow-up is about five plus years. 
So my, in conclusion, uh, low testosterone associated with increased mortality or the event. In patients with prior MI, uh, without prior MI and stroke, normalization is associated with decreased mortality MI and risk. Uh, smoking decreases this, some of this beneficial effect. Even in previous MI, patients with uh, normalization of low testosterone associated decreased mortality and not associated with higher event. So that's, thank you. Our last speaker is um, on our panel is uh, Sandeep Dinza, who's uh, uh, Division Director in Endocrinology at St. Louis uh, University. Dr. Dinza um, published recently an article on testosterone therapy and severe COVID um, that I thought was really important. And, um, you know, thankfully, COVID, uh, severe COVID rates are relatively low now, but it hasn't gone. Um, and I think this is a very important article and presentation. And so it's a pleasure to introduce uh, Sandeep Dinza. We conducted this study, uh, Association of Male Hypogonadism with Risk of Hospitalization from COVID-19. It was published a couple of months ago. And uh, this was a retrospective cohort study. Uh, we did that in two large academic health centers uh, in St. Louis. Uh, we reviewed the charts of men who had a history of COVID-19. Some of them got admitted, uh, some of them had milder course and did not get admitted. And we selected only those men who had at least one testosterone level uh, checked in the last few years. And uh, these testosterone levels were done when they were healthy, did not have COVID. It was not a testosterone level while they were uh, sick from COVID. And our goal was to compare the COVID-19 hospitalization rates among three groups of men. Eugonal men, meaning those who have normal testosterone, or hypogonal men, meaning those who had low testosterone but were never treated. And then the third group is those who were getting testosterone therapy. And we made sure that we did statistical adjustments for uh, differences in the risk factors for COVID severity. You know, everyone knows that if you're older, you are going to have uh, more chances of getting hospitalized from COVID uh, or having a severe outcome. And similarly, obesity, immunosuppression, all other comorbidities, race, etc. And uh, this is the total number of uh, men in the study, uh, 723 men out of these 180 were on therapy and uh, the rest were not on therapy. Uh, 116 were low testosterone and 427 were hypogonadal. So let's see what their baseline characteristics were. So those who were hypogonadal as expected were older because you know aging causes lower testosterone. So uh, they were older than the other groups. They did have more comorbidities such as diabetes and cardiovascular disease. The numbers in parentheses are all percentages. So 21% versus 11% in the hypogonadal and Group. And then 16% were immunosuppressed. But what really startled us was that 45% of these hypogonadal men ended up getting admitted if they had COVID, as compared to only 12% in the eugonadal group and 16% in the testosterone uh, therapy group. So overall, what this basically means is that hypogonadal men are around twice more likely to get admitted from COVID, even after we have adjusted for everything else that we can think of would be a contributing factor uh, towards COVID. And uh, uh, at the same time, the, those who are getting treated with testosterone do not have an increased risk of getting admitted from COVID. So I'll summarize by saying that low testosterone is not protective against COVID-19. On the contrary, it's a risk factor for COVID-19 severity. Uh, hypogonadal men are twice more likely to be hospitalized after COVID as compared to eugonadal men, independent of other known risk factors. This increased risk was not observed among men receiving adequate testosterone therapy. And we need to think about screening and uh, treating hypogonadal men appropriately as a strategy to prevent severe COVID outcomes uh, among men. So thank you very much for your attention. Actually, Fareed, I think you've been involved with um, uh, some work with testosterone and inflammation. Uh, what can you tell me about the use, uh, what can you tell the audience about uh, the effects of testosterone therapy and other inflammatory type conditions? 
Yes, um, this is something that uh, I was always fascinated with. Um, there are several small studies that show that testosterone lower uh, C-reactive protein, which is a, a very uh, uh, popular or let's say often measured um, uh, inflammatory marker. There are also studies showing the um, suppression of uh, the production of TNF-alpha, the tumor necrosis factor alpha, which plays a major role in autoimmune diseases. And um, we had the opportunity to have in our large registry study more than 70 patients with Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory bowel disease, an autoimmune disease. And we found by more than or more or less co coincidentally that these people responded very, very well to testosterone. So uh, here we see the, um, uh, the the basic research that shows that testosterone suppresses TNF-alpha. We see this uh, uh, translated into the uh, clinical um, setting and uh, patients with Crohn's disease within two years had uh, such a dramatic improvement of their Crohn's disease that uh, we couldn't believe it. We published it, uh, nobody was seemed to be interested. And um, we also have to see this in the context that the um, largest selling drug uh, at this age is a drug that suppresses uh, or that, that counteracts uh, TNF-alpha. It's, it's a drug called Humira. And um, we know that testosterone more or less does the same by different mechanisms, but um, this is something where we uh, also need to take into consideration the power of, uh, of companies that have such huge selling uh, drugs and, and they more or less uh, seem to have a, at least a major impact on what's going to be presented at a uh, gastroenterological conference and so on and so forth. So uh, I think that money is also a major driver of uh, why testosterone is, it doesn't receive the kind of acknowledgement that it deserves. Thank you. Uh, Mo, you know, our sponsor today um, has come up and recently had approved an oral testosterone product. Um, one of the nice features about it is that um, uh, uh, testosterone levels don't go excessively high in certainly in comparison to the most common form of testosterone used in the States, which are these short-acting injections. Um, and changes in hematocrit uh, were pretty unusual in them. And that hematocrit, a rise in hematocrit for some of you in the audience is a rise in your red blood cell count. And uh, many individuals as uh, doctors, as Dr. Burrow was saying, one of the concerns about testosterone is the potential for thrombosis or clots and, and higher red blood cell counts are thought to contribute to that. Um, Mo, what do, what do, there, there have been other oral testosterone products. Um, they've been very expensive. Um, there have been insurance issues with them. Um, but what do you think about the potential for an oral testosterone product uh, in the United States and its impact on health, given that the levels don't go up so much, as long as, of course, and assume that the product will be affordable and easily, relatively easily obtainable? Sure, Abe, you know, oral testosterone has been around since the 1970s, oral testosterone decanoate throughout the world. It just didn't come to the United States till 2019. But if you ask patients and you give them surveys, most patients like to take an oral medication. They're used to it. It's simple. It's non-invasive. It doesn't involve a needle. And also, they also feel there's no risk for transference. Transference means if you put a gel on your shoulder, if a baby touches that gel or a pregnant woman, there's a risk. With the oral, you don't have that risk. So I think that, you know, Americans will like to take oral medications. There's less chance for abuse or superphysiologic levels, so you can't inject more. So for many reasons, the orals seem to be very favorable, and I think the orals are an excellent medication. One of the concerns we had many years ago was that orals would cause liver damage, but that doesn't happen with testosterone and decanoate. There's no concern for liver injury. So again, they're safe and they're effective, and I think they're very simple to use. Thank you so much. Um, Abdul. Um, let me get you up on my screen. Uh, you've been doing a lot of, you've been involved in research with this uh, for a long time. And you know, what strikes me about um, uh, testosterone therapy 
and uh, as exemplified by the variety of topics that were covered here just today, is that it plays a role in so many different um, uh, body functions, if you will, so many organ systems. Um, its deficiency it has such wide-ranging properties. The presence of a low testosterone appears to be predictive of uh, developing certain problems, you know, bone issues, um, more increased mortality. You know, the argument has come up that maybe testosterone should, maybe testosterone is the single best biomarker we have for health. And that uh, today, testosterone, blood test for testosterone is generally not done um, at, on routine doctor's office visits. And my question to you is, should it be, uh, in your opinion? And, um, and what do you think of the possibility that I just said that maybe testosterone is the single best biomarker of health that exists? Well, uh, to give you my opinion first is that testosterone is an important natural hormone that the body has a manufacturing plant called testis to make for over our entire life to maintain our health and our physiological function. To answer the second question, uh, Dr. Boo Yi from Australia have reported in a very nice article that testosterone may be an indication for uh, good health and low testosterone is an indication for poor health. However, this uh, has not seemed to permeate the clinical community at large. So I agree 100% testosterone may be a single important marker for men's health. And low testosterone may be a really, really serious risk factor for all uh, aspects, uh, uh, whether it's uh, diabetes, obesity, kidney function, liver function, uh, uh, cognitive function, sexual function, etc. So I actually am a proponent of the argument that testosterone is a really an important marker for men's health. Well, our time for this panel has ended. I want to thank all of you for participating. Um, and uh, we have one more thing to do, which I'd like to turn this over uh, to Shalyn Shaw, CEO of Marius uh, Pharmaceuticals. Shalyn? Thank you, Abe. Uh, and do appreciate you fostering a very direct and candid conversation uh, covering the importance of testosterone here today. Uh, again, do want to thank all the speakers for their deep work in this field, uh, which we've clearly shown today, again, that uh, has the potential to benefit so many patients. Uh, it's truly amazing to hear all these different aspects of health in which testosterone plays a critical role, uh, whether that's cardioprotective, diabetic factors such as A1C and insulin resistance, and also inflammation, which is, which is the root of so much disease. Uh, it's interesting, you add all this up, and we get a decrease in all-cause mortality by 50% with adequate testosterone therapy. And it's, it's simply shocking that this is not front and center in a society that has become so health conscious. Marius sees the future of adequate testosterone therapy being synonymous with preventive healthcare, and this will be a key tool in reducing the burden of exploding healthcare costs. Uh, I do hope uh, the U.S. Prevention Task Force did indeed join the symposium today. Uh, we also hope all our listeners have truly learned during today's session, and you share this message with friends, family, colleagues, uh, and join us on the mission of improving millions of lives. Thank you.